I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. Now, when I switch my computer on in the mornings, after I've put in my password... It immediately, and without my bidding, hosts a, a news web page. It was rather alarming that the very first thing that I saw before morning prayer on Monday was a news item entitled, What the Bible Has to Say About the End of the World. It's hardly surprising, given that the last week we've seen our news filled with items about the terrible flooding in Germany and China um, and there's also been terrible flooding in Africa, which hasn't reached our news screens. There's also famine there stalking the land. And having thought only a few months ago that Extinction Rebellion as an organization were a bit extreme, I've now signed up to their newsletter and am eyeing up opportunities to get arrested. So what comfort is there? What hope can we have the most obvious source of hope could perhaps be found in the amazing story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's been described as a preacher's gift, an encouragement to us all to bring what little we can to any problem with prayer and see how Jesus can multiply our gifts and faith. But in true contrarian style, I'm going to preach on Ephesians. To be fair, this part of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus is a glorious piece of scripture. On his knees, Paul prays passionately for the people in that church. He prays that they would be strengthened by God's spirit. He prays that they would be able to grasp in some way the great love of Christ and feel him living in them. And then he prays that as a result of this, they would be filled with the sort of life and power that God himself has. The same life and power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It's all pretty awesome stuff. And after this, Paul goes off on a paean of praise to God. And you could treat this final part of the chapter as a separate prayer, but I think it's one of a piece with his previous prayer. It's only when we've been strengthened by God's Spirit. It's only when we have Jesus living in our hearts. 
And only when we can start to grasp the love of Jesus that we can actually be used to accomplish God's purposes. Now, I've said I wouldn't use the gospel reading, and actually that's a bit of a fib. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is well known. In it, the little boy gives his packed lunch to Jesus, who uses it to feed the whole crowd, and there are even 12 basket loads left over. I think it's significant that it's a child who did this. How many adults would have said, two fish, five loaves, and Jesus, no problem? More significant, perhaps, than the trust and optimism of the child was that he gave all that he had to Jesus. He didn't keep anything back. Later this year, world leaders will be meeting to address global warming at COP26. It might seem a hopeless fight and the problem's overwhelming. But I do still believe that whatever we are facing, that it is still worth bringing all of ourselves and offering ourselves to God. God knows we can't 